The story you were about to hear is true. Attention, all true. He's alive. Last year, during a vacation, AMC was playing a Friday the 13th marathon. Here I was, on vacation, in a faraway place, and all I could do was sit in the hotel watching AMC. Now I know what you're thinking. Why would you watch edited versions of classic horror films when it's very easy to watch the original? They're a button click away. And here's where my confession comes in. I like the TV edited version of horror films. And I especially like the TV edit of Halloween 2, sometimes called the TV cut, sometimes called the producer's cut. I like that these films often have extra scenes in them because they need to take stuff out. They often need to put stuff in. I also like that there's less slashing in them. Halloween 2 in its TV cut incarnation is very much a continuation of the original Halloween's tone. Some might find that a little boring, especially if blood and gore are your goal. But me, I wanted more of a continuation of the original story. So when it comes to horror films, when I really enjoy watching them, it's when they're edited. And I know I like it a lot more because here I was on vacation, making my way through every Friday the 13th film that they put on, and just sitting through commercials, waiting for it to start up again. Meanwhile, outside, there's the sun and water that I could be playing around in. I have no time for that. Over the years, I've collected quite a few of these television edits. The Halloween 2 TV cut or producer's cut has famously been released on home video, so everyone can have access to it, but there's so many films that haven't. So whenever a TV station is going to show a film, and I know it's going to be on, I have done my best to record them and hoard them. There are communities online that exchange them. I have bought copies of them online, and they make up the majority of my horror watching during this most spooky of months. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about one of my favorite movies in its TV edited form, Halloween 2, More of the Night He Came Home. We'll talk about the story behind this film, talk about the people in front of and behind the camera, We'll talk about the novelization, shooting locations, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Halloween was meant to be a standalone film. If you haven't seen Halloween 2, I'm going to spoil it for you. Michael Myers gets away. Tommy Lee Wallace, who was the film editor for Halloween 1, 
told Real Terror. Almost as an afterthought, we had him get up and walk away, and shot some extra footage of the blank ground. Then the other empty shots were stolen from other sequences. That was not planned on film. I think it was just a good way of drawing the curtain and saying, this was just a story, but now it's in your face. It's on your street. It's everywhere. That's a nice way to end a horror movie. But Halloween 1 did very well at the box office. When something does that well, you get a sequel. And Halloween 2 was born. The film was again produced by Erwin Yablins and Mustafa Akkad. It had a much larger budget, $2.5 million. The original's budget was only $320,000. To get more money, they brought in Italian film producer Dino De Laurentiis to help with the financing. Enough money was being thrown around that they actually flirted with doing the film in 3D and explored a couple of 3D processes. But these processes all proved to be too expensive, and especially because a lot of the movie was going to be filmed in the dark. That's not an easy thing to do in 3D, so they opted not to do it. Most of the film would be shot at Morningside Hospital in Los Angeles, California, and at Pasadena Community Hospital in Pasadena, California. This was a difficult shoot because of the proximity to a local airport. If you're a Halloween 2 fan, unfortunately, Morningside Hospital, which is at 8711 South Harvard Street in Los Angeles, closed down and sadly was torn down. The film was written by the scribes of the original film, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, the dynamic duo. John Carpenter is a horror legend. He began making short films in the 60s, eventually winning an Oscar for a live-action short in 1970. He would go on to make many cult films, but the film that really broke through was 1978's Halloween. It was the most successful independent film to date, and his partner in crime was Deborah Hill. Deborah Hill, who is from Haddonfield, New Jersey, if you're wondering where the name Haddonfield comes from. She was born in Haddonfield, but grew up in Philadelphia. And she would work in Hollywood before meeting John Carpenter. And then her and Carpenter really hit it off. They even started dating. Would work together on Assault on Precinct 13, where she was the script supervisor and assistant editor. During that time, their romantic relationship would start. And then they would make Halloween 1 together, where she would be producer. And then would come on to do Halloween 2. Originally, the film was going to take place a couple of years after the original Halloween, where we would see Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, living in a high-rise, and Michael would come in and attack her there. This was abandoned for a sequel that starts right after the original. They came up with this idea because they really didn't know what to do for a sequel. They thought the original movie kind of stood alone. In 2014, in an interview in Deadline magazine, John Carpenter is quoted as saying, I didn't think there was any more story, and I didn't want to do it again. All of my ideas were for the first Halloween. There shouldn't have been any more. Michael Myers was an absence of character, and yet all the sequels are trying to explain that. That's silliness. It just misses the whole point of the first movie to me. He's part person, part supernatural force. The sequels rooted around in motivation. I thought that was a mistake. However, I couldn't stop them from making sequels. So my agent said, why don't you become an executive producer? and you can share the revenue. But I had to write the second movie, and every night I sat there and wrote with a six-pack of beer trying to get through this thing, and I didn't do a very good job. I somewhat disagree with that, but you can see that this is a knockoff of the original Halloween, and if it wasn't for the talented people who were actually making the movie, this could have turned into a terrible film. 
but it had some pretty talented people behind it, including Carpenter and Hill. Not only would Carpenter write and produce the movie with Hill, he also returned to do the music. Carpenter teamed up with composer and sound designer Alan Howarth for this film, kind of trying to mix it up a little with the original score. And what you get is sort of what the actual film is, which is a different version of the original. It's got more production in it, but at the same time, doesn't feel equal to the challenge. Instead of the simple piano key music, you get a much more synth-heavy soundtrack. According to Howarth, Basically, I overdubbed me over John. John was still there on tape, and then my overdubs were what shaped the sound of Halloween 2. Don't get me wrong, it's a great soundtrack. Very creepy, but it feels slightly derivative. It feels like it's the heart of what Carpenter had created, but with layers on top that obscure. They're good obscuring layers, but they take away from the purity of the original. From the people who brought you Halloween, more of the night he came home. Halloween 2. There was nothing within him, neither conscience nor reason that wasn't even remotely human. Don't miss the all-new Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Halloween 2. Rated R. The horror continues. Starts Friday at a theater near you. The film starts with the actual last few scenes of the original Halloween, when Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode sends the two kids that she's babysitting out into the street to escape Michael Myers. She gets attacked by Michael Myers again and is finally rescued by Dr. Sam Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance. He shoots Myers off of a balcony, plummets to the earth. Loomis turns around, then he looks back down, and Michael's gone. All there is is an imprint in the grass where he was. From there... We see Lori go to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, where she gets admitted after this terrible incident. And the hospital is not very well secured. It's almost deserted. And Myers shows up, because he's not dead, and starts killing just about everyone in the hospital. And in the end, good triumphs over evil, which should have ended Michael Myers once and for all. But as we know, there were about a thousand other Halloweens that would follow. John Carpenter did not direct this film. He was obviously offered the chance to do so, but stepped away. So Rick Rosenthal would step up. Rosenthal is an American director. His biggest film is probably the 1983 film Bad Boys with Sean Penn. But he did a lot of TV work as well. His intention was to make Halloween 2 the spiritual successor of Halloween 1 basically make it more of a thriller than a slasher. And that's exactly what he created. Now, between the time that the original Halloween was released, a lot of imitators had come out. This would be the birth of the slasher genre. Carpenter saw the film, and comparing it to these other films, he was not pleased. And since he was the creator and a producer, he had influence over post-production. He is quoted as saying that the movie was about as scary as an episode of Quincy, a great TV show from the 70s and 80s. I'm paraphrasing there. But as you might guess, he thought it was boring. And so the reason that Halloween 2 is much gorier is because Carpenter basically came in to up the ante, to make it gorier in the end. So basically it could 
take on much gorier movies like Friday the 13th that had been released in the intervening years since Halloween 1. Naturally, some of us, as I have mentioned, don't really watch the theatrical release. We watch the TV version. If you do so, you'll be happy to see that they add a couple of scenes that are not in the original, things that help explain things in the movie that are just dropped from the theatrical release. One of the side effects of shooting this was they also learned that if they wanted to show the original Halloween on television, they needed to pad that movie out as well with scenes that they had not shot. But since they had everyone back together for this second movie, they just shot new scenes. Scenes that if you are a fan of the TV version of Halloween 1, you could now watch thanks to Halloween 2. Hollywood magic. The film has a great horror cast. Obviously, two great stars right at the top would be Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode and Donald Pleasance as Dr. Sam Loomis. They're the heart and soul of the first Halloween film, and the fact that they're in this second one immediately makes it a better film. Curtis actually had to wear a wig for this movie because she had cut her hair short at the time of shooting. This short haircut would kind of become her signature moving forward. Curtis is the daughter of Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. She's a famous kid. She has come quite a long distance in her career. She started working as a teenager, just trying to get out of the shadow that her famous parents cast. She would go on to become an actress in big Hollywood blockbusters. She was a producer, director. She's an author, an online blogger, an activist, a renowned gamer. She's even an inventor. But one thing she will always be to most people is Laurie Strode. Donald Pleasance played Dr. Sam Loomis. Pleasance passed away in 1995. He's an English actor, probably most famous to American audiences as Dr. Sam Loomis in Halloween, plus four of its sequels, and as the villain Ernst Stavro Blofeld in You Only Live Twice, the 1967 James Bond film. He was also in the great 1963 film The Great Escape. Pleasance was in the armed forces and was actually captured and sent to a German prisoner of war camp during World War II. So his participation in The Great Escape, he was probably able to bring something to that role that others weren't. One of my favorite parts is him screaming, I shot him six times! He yells that at the beginning. I shot him six times! What? I shot him six times! I, I shot him in the heart! I can't have gotten very far. Come on. I shot him six times. Yeah. This guy, this man, he's not human. Love that. Rounding out the cast, you had Charles Cipher as Sheriff Lee Brackett. He would play Lee Brackett in Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. Lance Guest played the paramedic Jimmy. Guest is probably best known for his work in The Last Starfighter. Nick Castle who played The Shape, or Michael Myers, in the first Halloween film, he would go on to be the director of The Last Starfighter. And he saw him playing this role in Halloween 2, and from that he got cast in The Last Starfighter. Dick Warlock would take the role of The Shape, Mike Myers, in this film. He would also be Kurt Russell's personal stump double for 25 years, working with Spielberg and Carpenter. He would retire in 2002. I've listened to and read some interviews with Warlock. It's interesting, the thing he latched onto was Michael Myers' head tilt. Kind of Michael Myers tilts his head like a dog does when he's trying to understand something. So he used that 
in his performances. Also the moment when Michael sits up after Jamie Lee Curtis stabs him when she's in the closet in Halloween 1. He sort of just sits up. That became his indications of the physicality he should bring to the role. And he does a pretty good job as Michael Myers. Two supporting actors that I really like in this movie. I like Nurse Alves, played by Gloria Gifford, and Leo Rossi, New Jersey's Leo Rossi, who played Bud Scarlatti. Bud is a jerk, and it should be ideal for Leo Rossi, but oddly enough, he's kind of forgettable. The part just isn't quite juicy enough. Maybe he was just being held back, but I always feel like that should be one of the greatest jerks in movies. Still, I like watching Leo Rossi and stuff, and he's pretty good as Bud in the limited space they give him to be Bud. After these messages, we will return. Why so glum, chum? I love school my trick-or-treat candy. Take some of mine. Wow! Hershey bars, Mr. Goodbar, Kit Kats, Rulos, Watchamacallits, Reese's, all my favorites. Let's go get some more. Sure, let me go ask my mom. And now, back to the show. There are a lot of great scenes in this film, but one of the most terrifying parts of the film is actually not one of the kills that Michael does. If you're interested in the kills, you could just search Halloween 2 kills, and there are videos all over the internet that people outline each kill. I actually think one of the more frightening scenes is something you see early in the film. You get a shot of a boy and his mother going to Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, and the mother is holding a rag at the boy's bleeding mouth because the boy has a razor blade stuck in the roof of his mouth. This is a plucked from the headline horror thing where at the time people were terrified that people were tampering with candy, putting pins in candy or poisoning it or putting razor blades in apples. I'm not so sure this is anything beyond a trick-or-treating myth, but they capture it, I think, for the first time on screen and it's creepy and scary and it really sets the stage that we should all be uneasy because this means that during the Halloween where Michael Myers is murdering these teenagers, there's also some crazy person putting razor blades in apples or candy and giving them to kids at the exact same time. Where's that story? That should have been Halloween 3. Sadly, there were no action figures released for Halloween or Halloween 2 at the time. I imagine the closest thing to a product tie-in would be the novelizations that were released. The Halloween 1 novelization is pretty good. The Halloween 2, I find actually maybe a bit better and maybe that's because jack martin which is a pseudonym used by author dennis etchison really helps to keep the tension alive and the book just moves 256 pages just fly by if you want a physical copy of it it is not cheap i guess they didn't sell a lot of these or the internet just inflates the price of everything luckily some people have posted it online so if you're interested in reading it You can often find it online. Just search for Halloween 2 novelization and hope that the person has it up at that one point. They would, of course, go on to make many more Halloween films, but this should have been the end of the Laurie Strode, Michael Myers storyline, which is why in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, we get a completely different film and a completely different story. 
This threw a lot of people off, hence in Halloween 4, we go back to the Michael Myers story. Still, I like the idea of an anthology movie similar to The Twilight Zone, which is what they were trying to do, but just on a larger scale. Watching it today, the film, especially the TV edit, to me, really holds up. Dean Cundey was the cinematographer on the film. I think that's something people should really pay attention to when you're watching it. The film is visually very attractive. The lighting, the camera placement, it's all the work of a brilliant person. And you'd see why Kundi would go on to become the director of photography for people like Steven Spielberg. I don't think it's fair to compare Halloween 1 to Halloween 2. The original is a masterpiece. But I would instead try to look at Halloween 2 compared to the Halloweens that would follow, 4, 5, 6, or even the Rob Zombie remakes of them. And I'll say, while I don't enjoy the Rob Zombie remakes, he was ambitious with them, and he was really trying to do something, and I respect that a lot. But the thing I like about Halloween 2 is that it is a tense slasher that is very well-paced and is probably the second best movie in the entire franchise. And as a TV movie, it really stands up. If you were to compare it to slasher films that were to follow, or even splatter films, which some people have called the theatrical release, it doesn't hold up. But that theatrical release did really introduce some very modern gore effects. So if you're looking for a film to follow up the original Halloween, why not try Halloween 2? If you're a fan of Blood and Guts, just throw on the theatrical release. If you are not a fan of Blood and Guts and you just want to watch a fast-paced horror thriller, check out the TV version or sometimes called the producer's cut. Throw that on. Guarantee you will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. I shot him six times. 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 Six times. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.